Hello everybody and welcome back to the National Leprechaun Museum's podcast, Talking Stories, episode 81. My name is Dermot and with me today is the one and only, the wonderful, Pawdy. I'm on a podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Shock. Horror, completely. You've never been on one of these oh, before. Oh, no. No, never. How are you today, Pawdy? I'm well, you know, um, considering it's freezing out there. Oh, it's so icy and cold. It, uh, Dublin has turned into the gulag. We are marching through the streets to our labour. If only there was snow to justify the cold, I'd be happy. But yes. there's not. Yes, I can just hear the voice of my father going, Do you know why it's not snowing? It's because it's too cold to snow. Yeah, because apparently it has to be exactly the right temperature to snow. Uh, What story are we talking about today, Dermot? Today we're talking about the Hill of Truth told to us by the wonderful Evan. Evan Sunderland. (gasps) One of our newest storytellers, ladies and gentlemen, is going to tell us the Hill of Truth. And without any further ado, away. Should you follow the river, sir, as far as Carrick on shore and head northwest, you will find Schlieve Nabon, the woman's hill, what used to be the hill of truth. There at the top, it is said, a golden chain hangs down from the heavens. If you were to hold this chain and utter a lie, you would be burnt to ash. In Port Law, County Waterford, there lived a husband and wife. She, Ashling, was a beautiful woman and he, Joseph, a hard-working husband. The two lived happily, but had yet to conceive a child despite their best efforts. He spent the better part of his days working in his workshop. She'd spend all the time until he came home, keeping their perfect little house, just that, perfect. Despite their good marriage and home, life was hard for Ashling. After some time, having not bore a child, the neighbors began to remark. She'd meet the other women in the village down by the well, they there with child by the hand and hip, where she'd endure the small digs. Have ye any news yet, Ashling? Or, sure, what would you know about children? And this broke her heart, but she would never let on to Joseph that. When she grew weary of housework, she'd leave for a ramble around the woods of Curramore Estate, and there she'd pick flowers and enjoy her solitude, until she met Sean, who also enjoyed a ramble and solitude, and soon enough, the two were meeting in the woods regularly. And it began as talking, and talking grew into love, and soon Sean was stopping by the perfect little house quite often, always gone by the time Joseph came home, who was none the wiser. Little by little the whispers started, then came the louder remarks, the old biddies got brazen, throwing comments towards Ashling in public, She seemed more pleased than any wife without child has the right to be. It wasn't long before Joseph began to overhear the rumours. He could hardly sit in his local shanty without someone glancing over at him, a hand covering their mouth, a sudden laugh from the person beside them. He'd had enough and set off home to ask his wife for the truth. 
Joseph confronted his wife, who'd fallen to tears over the king's dinner she'd prepared for him. How have you this doubt in your mind, she'd ask. Worried he'd fallen prey to rumour, ashamed of himself, he replied, forget it, I should never have asked. And the two made up and continued their life as normal, although Sean kept visiting. One day, herself and Jean had heard Joseph approaching the house, home far earlier than expected. Ashling had to send Jean out the window. In the seconds before Joseph came in, she'd wet her hair and thrown a towel over herself, which explained her nakedness as Joseph entered. My love, she says, my love, she says, I wasn't expecting you so early. I've hardly started dinner. And Joseph sighed in shame. As he confessed, he'd come home early trying to catch his wife with her secret lover, or supposed secret lover. The rumours had started up again and gotten to him. The two had discussed how the judgement and jealousy of their neighbours was tearing them apart and what, if anything, they might do to help this. It came to Joseph then that a trip to the Hill of Truth would settle it. And poor Ashling's heart sank as she went along with the notion, wondering how long she could conceal her panic. Well, she had to conceal herself for the next two hours as they lay in bed discussing how they might make the journey. Joseph suggested taking a few days off work and hiring two donkeys. On the mere mention of donkeys, Ashling had gone red in the face. Joseph then added that he might ask the donkey man to join them. He'd keep the donkeys quiet and he'd make a good witness. Yes, says Ashling, still red in the face. He's very well known and respected. Satisfied with their plan, Joseph turned in as Ashling lay awake in thought. The next morning, the three and their donkeys were passing through the village. Word had yet again spread and the remarks were thrown at Ashling as they went. Do you get the smell of ashes in the wind this morning? And a skit of laughter would follow. Poor Ashling had begun to sweat. The closer they got along the way, her nerves got worse. She'd hardly said a word to her husband, nor the donkey man. All the time she worried, Joseph did the same. Maybe this was a mistake. What if he came back a widower? It was as they came to the foot of the hill, Ashling's donkey had suddenly jumped and bucked her off. She landed face first, her dress fallen down over her head, her arse out for all to see. Well now, out of fear and hurt, she started wailing cursing her husband and claiming this journey his idea. You and your stupid donkeys, she shouts. How will this work now? How can I go up to that hill and swear to God that no man has seen under my skirt but you? I'll be burnt to ash. And the donkey man stood between them. I think I may have a solution to your problem. Sure enough, they go up the hill. There, at the top, hanging from the heavens, was the chain. On the ground scattered around it were small heaps of ash and footprints. It took Ashling a moment to summon the courage, but she took the chain in her hand, surprised to find it light and warm. She gripped firm before uttering the words, No man has ever seen beneath my skirt except for my husband, Joseph, and Sean, the donkey man. Burn to ashes, she did not. God's truth was proven and all were satisfied. The couple went back to the village with Sean's respected testament and from then on, life occurred as usual. Joseph worked, 
Ashling cleaned their house and prepared him a fine meal every day, and Sean, the donkey man, would stop by every afternoon and be gone by the time Joseph got home. It is said, however, from that day on, God rescinded his chain of truth from the hill, never lowering it again. The hill is now referred to as the woman's hill. What a wonderful and bizarre story. Would you agree with me, Paulie? Oh, very bizarre. Very, very bizarre. Particularly uh, to us, uh, two likely lads, um, listening to uh, talk of children. Yeah, I'm going to be honest here. I've not thought about children and how important they are to have in my life. I'm 22. I don't think I should be thinking about children at this age. (laughs) Yes, and I think it might be too late for me to start thinking about children, to be quite honest with you. Um, but uh, what's what immediately struck you about the story, Jeremy? There's such a focus on both the fact that she doesn't have children and then whatever she did, instantly the entire village seems to know and will be talking about it to her behind her back and to her husband. Yes, they have plenty of gossip about her, but they don't actually know the most important piece of gossip about her, if you know what I mean. They're, they're so focused on the fact that she's childless that nobody's actually talking about the fact that she's having it away with someone else. I mean, it's this weird focus that Irish people think that it's really, really important to have a child and that this was yeah. the form of wealth back in 18th century Ireland of children. And if you didn't have a child, clearly something is wrong with you. Yes. There's nothing else. Yes, and you have this—you have this idea that the the children are your workforce. You know that you need uh, children around the farm because um, one person can't uh, do it all on their own. That you essentially you need the children to help out in the kitchen. You need them to help out in the farm. Did you have uh, many chores growing up? Uh, I'd have one or two, but not enough to justify me and my sister, apparently. (laughs) Like, we'd have the dishwasher to do, walk the dog, mind the dog mainly, mind each other, don't throw each other down the stairs was a weirdly a large one that was stated a lot of the time. Right, wow, that was a danger, was it? Yes, yes, Yes. it was. Two siblings, we will get along like a house on fire with gasoline thrown into the middle of it. Mind the dog, look after the dog. That sounds like a nice holiday to me now at the moment, if I'm very honest with you. Probably, yeah. I also like the way that it's her, Ashling in the story, blamed for the fact they don't have children. Like all the gossip is thrown at her that they don't have children. It must be all her fault. It can't be the man's fault. It's like the same with um, uh, with Henry VIII and his oh, many wives. Yeah. You know, he kept having ha- these wives and hardly any of them are having children and hardly any of them are, are having boys. But nobody's going, maybe it's the fact that the king has syphilis. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's all, it's all the wives' fault. It's yeah, all of them. Yeah. You have to keep going through it. But like... It's very unfair. Why is that? That's just a thing that also comes up with this story of... Everything is on Ashlyn. Like, all the problems, all the faults, is hers. And yes. she has to take accountability for it. 
yeah. even when her husband goes, we're going to go and find out the truth. It's her who's put at risk, not him. It's yes. her who has to be like held against this chain of truth that will set her on fire. Yes, it's her that has to be tested by God for her honesty because obviously she must be the reason that they are the that this is not working out. But uh, considering the time it's told and that context where uh, women were expected to provide the family with children, that um, considering the context of it, it's actually uh, the way it turns out is actually quite modern. Yeah. It- Felt like an early 2000s rom-com of like, <laughs> it works out somehow? Yes. This romance that shouldn't happen suddenly does happen, coming soon to DVD. Yes. But, you know, the, the gas thing about it was that um, herself and uh, herself and Sean just continue to go on. Like, you never hear that in, in, in a story. You never, you never hear. And in the end, the affair just went on forever and ever. And it's never once like questioned why they're having an affair it's like she met sean and fell in love with him and instantly had an affair yes. i feel like this comes from the fact that we were very anti-divorce until like 94 thereabouts yeah yeah, really. yeah yeah and it's just this thing of like no i can't get a divorce i can keep committing adultery behind my husband's husband's back but a divorce uh, no never yes and he's out for most of the day at work so you can come around every afternoon <laughs> Yeah, again, that's my other big issue with her husband in the story. He's, like, working all the time, comes home, expects her to have a meal for him, and then he starts going, why would you ever have an affair? It's so heartbreaking. Why would you cheat on me? Maybe it's because you're working all day. You're just kind of leaving her be constantly for work. You're listening to the old judgmental biddies of the town. Uh, Judgmental biddies in towns terrify me. Yes. Um, I, when I was younger, they managed to somehow rat me out for being late to school. For Not- context, listeners, rat me out, it translates <laughs> as, they, they told on me, they revealed something which I would rather someone not know. Yeah, no, I was late for school when I was about nine with a friend because we went to the shop to buy sweets. And when we got to school, the teachers were like, we won't tell your parents, you guys are okay, it was just five, ten minutes late. I got home and my dad turned around to me and was like, Dermot, how could you ever be late to school? What were you doing? And I finally got out of him what had happened. Someone in the village where we were had seen me, recognized me as my dad's son, told his mother, who told my grandmother, who rang my dad giving out the fact that I was late for school. Punctuality is the politeness of kings. Don't you know this, Dermot? I'm very punctual. I wanted sweets from the shop, and I'm yeah. justified in my want for sugar and sweets. That's 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 very true. That you that is your that is what motorizes you. That's Honestly? the petrol in your car. Sugar is sweets. Well, yeah. the dentist says I'm not allowed sweets anymore because of all the cavities and fillings I've had to do. So it's now more tea again. So PSA, ladies and gentlemen, don't eat too many sweets and brush your teeth. And don't skip school to buy sweets. <laughs> Speaking of PSAs, I want to talk about <laughs> the donkeys. The donkey. Okay, let's 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 start with the names. Okay, her name is Ashling, which translates as uh, a, a dream or a vision. That's noticeable because she's she's living a, a dream life, as it were. She's got two men on the go. 
she doesn't have any children, which would have been seen like, that's so selfish of you in those days mm. to not have any children. Oh, yeah. But anyway, moving yeah, swiftly been, on. But then Ashling been derived from Angus. Is an Angus Oak or at all? I think there's there's some relation there, but I know that the Ashling poem, the the vision poem, or the love, the kind of uh, poem where a beautiful young woman visits the poet in a dream. That's called an Ashling poem. Oh. Yeah. So this this idea of Ashling lives in a kind of dream world. She keeps a perfect house. She has she has men coming to her door. Uh, uh, men who are referred to as the donkey man. <laughs> and what does his name mean exactly, party? <laughs> no, um, I, you know, um, this is this is a family podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, let's put it this way. Famously, the uh, the the donkey is the um, most well endowed of the mammal species. Mm, and that's what his name means. Yeah. The well endowment of donkeys. But coincidentally, coincidentally, Fergus Mocklady. Uh, Fergus, uh, the name Fergus translates as the virile one. So, which also means that Fergus's name means good at sex. Which is funny when you think of what happens in the very first Leprechaun story. Well, okay, in the more adult version, because yeah, for children, yeah. nothing bad happens in that yeah, story. Yes. They all live happily. Yes, yes. There yes. is no relationship between the six foot two king of Ulster and the seven fist tall. Um, three fist tall woman. Two, three, three fist tall, my the apologies. The seven fist is another thing. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Um, the um, queen of the Leprechauns. Yeah, so her name is Ashling, which is very on the nose. His name is the Donkey Man, which is also on the nose. And then uh, Joseph, as well, is very re- revealing. Oh, man who get cucked by God? Yeah, essentially. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Both of them get done over by God. One yeah, because jo- yeah, Joseph is described as her most chaste spouse because yeah. Catholics are supposed to believe that... that Joseph remained celibate after marrying Mary. And Mary's only child came about from the Holy Spirit. Yes, yes. And in this Let's not go there. No. <laughs> <laughs> We're just saying that the name Joseph is appropriate for a man yep. oh, yeah. who's, who, who is not responsible for the... Uh, Fathering of children. Fathering of children. Yes. In, also in this story, it's oddly religious for a folk tale. Oh, it's oh, it's very religious for an Irish folk tale because because yeah. the Irish people in the nineteenth century were terrified of saying something that might be heresy or heretical. The Catholic Church came back with a bang in eighteen twenty nine. If you go to the Pro Cathedral here in Dublin, it, you notice that it looks like Saint Peter's. It's this big marble thing and it's on the inside and that's the that's the church trying to say guess who's back guess who has all the power again and the people were terrified of saying something heretical so often these stories would veer away from anything very very religious in case they'd say the wrong thing 
it's this really odd thing because you'll get folk tales will have next to no mention of religion. They may make yeah. the comment of they went to see the priest to ask a question. Yes. But nothing like this of let's go to a hill where God has descended a golden chain that will yeah. reveal all lies if you touch it because you will burn to flames. Yes, and it's very like Jacob's ladder as well is a is a common metaphor from uh, the Old Testament that the la- the ladder reaches down from heaven. And this chain, this golden chain, does exactly the same. And it can tell if you're telling the truth. I know it's not discussed in the story, but how big do you say this chain is? Do you think it's I'd say it's chunky. Yeah, like, I imagine it's like a chain where you have to wrap your entire body around to hold, like, a link of it almost. Okay. It's just, like, a huge sort of chain. Because I don't imagine just a tiny little chain you buy in the shop. Like an anchor chain for a big steamer ship. Yeah, big, big, big chain that justifies why it's atop a hill. Yeah. But uh, yeah, go ahead. I just don't it's one of those weird things about Irish folklore and myths and legends. Whenever Christianity's mentioned in them properly, it's really in your face. Yes, and it's and it's more often you you see the 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 uh, religious elements more often in the comedies than in the than in the the tragedies or the uh, the uh more violent stories you're more likely to see uh, or to hear uh, reference to reference to God in those stories, mm. um, but the telling the truth and the importance of telling the truth is a, is a very common theme in in, in Irish literature. Mm. We're very big about not only telling the truth or and not being able to tell a lie because a yes. lot of the fairies can't lie as well. Yes, yeah. and it's this big thing of be truthful, work hard, be honest. And now apparently adultery is grand with a good alibi. Yes. Is that what this story is saying to us? <laughs> adultery is grand. Just don't get caught. <laughs> but but yeah. is that what it's saying? Is that is it saying that the uh, is I it saying not. if the, maybe ironically it's balancing out the fact that it was all of the pressure was put on women to have children. Mm. But if you really look at the story very closely, you see that the story allows her to continue to live the life that she wants, her dream life with uh, with the donkey man, and and Joseph is completely oblivious that it's like maybe maybe the story is actually saying that Joseph deserves this mm. because this is his fault. Yeah. But even then as well, she's also still treating Joseph the exact same. Like, she's still... It even says it. Like, she's still making him meals. And the day he yeah. comes back and confronts her one of the times, like, are you having an affair? She's weeping over a kingly feast she made him. Yeah. She's yeah. still treating him the exact same. He's not getting, like, a short end of the stick. No, the no. Thing. She's still treating him the same. So is it more saying polyamory or is it saying you're grand maybe it's yeah, maybe this is the, the the oldest advertisement for an open marriage i don't know uh, um in ireland um but it's 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 yeah you're dead right that is interesting that she still makes him a kingly feast even though uh, uh he is not the man to whom she is um, attracted i i presume uh, but let's 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 talk about the the thir- the three D chess game. Oh, the, the 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 donkey 
the donkey, the brinksmanship of... The convenient donkey. The convenient donkey. So the donkey man must plan it with her. Or is the, do you think it's improvised? I don't even know, to be honest, because he, <laughs> yeah. it fully is. Her husband comes home. Mm. Joseph comes home and says to Ashley, here, Ashley, listen up. We're going to the Hill of Truth, and we're yes. going to make you touch the golden chain. You're going to tell the truth. And conveniently, I'm going to ask the donkey man to rent some donkeys. And Ashley agrees to this because she's been riding a different type of donkey. <laughs> yes. But it's very weird because her husband agrees to bring the donkey man. Yes. And then it doesn't state whether or not she has time to go give me a donkey who bucks. Right. Yeah, it doesn't say, like, does she pass him a message to say, mm. it must be improvised. Yeah. It has to be in that moment. She was terrified going up the hill because, you know, as Evan described with the ashes and the, the shoes and the, fo- the footprints and that kind of thing that had been left behind. Uh, she must have been terrified going up that hill. And then the donkey bucks completely by accident. And then they improvise what happens next. Yeah. It's a very weirdly convenient thing of now she's shown under her skirt to both her husband and the donkey man. Well, for the first time, according to her husband. Yeah. And it's the donkey man who goes, well, why don't you just say you've only shown it to me and your husband? You know that exercise that we sometimes do here with storytellers where you're, you're telling the story from the perspective of someone else in yes. the story? Yes. I'd like to hear the story from the perspective of the donkey. <laughs> so, you know who to ask to do that yes. instantly. Like, I just like thinking of the donkey going, well, she'd be much happier with this other guy. And I don't believe that sex is wrong outside of marriage. I'm uh, pretty sex positive, said the donkey. So uh, anyways, anyways, <laughs> anyways, said the donkey. <laughs> I went and I decided to book her off my back, and then she landed, and didn't she flash the two men? Yeah. And oh no, she'll have to tell that both of them have seen under her skirt. So the donkey, <laughs> I think, there uh, we're moving swiftly on <laughs> before this entire podcast becomes you doing a funny voice. <laughs> The donkey is complicit in the sense that it is the story telling us that the donkey goes, I'm going to buck her off so that she and hopefully they will be able to improvise what happens next. Or is the story telling us that the donkey just happened to buck her off? I literally don't know. Either way, <laughs> like, I'm going to be honest here. Donkeys could be this duplicitous in these acts. Yes. Yes. And it's why they're often referred to as the ass. Yes. they're an asshole to us. Right. But, but it's such a... Bizarre. Not quite. <laughs> I'm not going to argue with that logic. It's very sound logic from a 22-year-old. Never argue with 22-year-olds, clearly. But clearly. it's a, such a bizarre cop-out to the story. Like, right. To get out of her being set up flame in the story which you would imagine would much more in a country that is oppressed by weight of Catholic guilt and the fact that the church is very anti-adultery. Yes. It's very anti-adultery. That they're like, this is fine. Yes. And then God's magic chain is also like, yeah, that's fine. She's telling maybe, the truth. Maybe the donkey just doesn't like capital punishment. Oh, my God. <laughs> maybe the donkey believes. Sure, she should spend the rest of her life in jail, but <laughs> <laughs> killing her seems a step Whoa. too far. <laughs> Maybe the donkey's just the devil. Like the maybe, the maybe. Do- the that's, that's a common theme. Yeah, yeah the donkey yeah. secretly disappears and it turns out to be Lucifer Morningstar cackling away. Yeah, yeah. But and then she, she, obviously she has to go back to 
the uh, the old biddies and say that she's been to uh, knock Fierna to the hill of truth so any of their um, any of their conundrums are now like well God has said she's not doing it so she has defeated the old biddies the old biddies are really the villains of the story Yes, the, the gossip, the danger. It's actually a great example of the danger of the gossip train. Of oh yeah, it's yeah. literally one rumor has spiraled into ruining her days. But you you saw that that in the recent Colin Farrell movie, uh, the Banshees of Inisherin, yes, which also had a donkey. Also had a had a very nice donkey. That the when she comes into the shop and she has no gossip for the ladies. That they're kind of really... Well, they're very, very annoyed because she has nothing to talk about with them. And... It's just such a weird thing that, like, the donkey... I just will not get over the fact that right as Judgment Day is about to come upon them, the donkey suddenly books her and everything's okay now. Yeah. It's... I like how everyone was like, yeah, there used to be a chain there hanging directly down from heaven <laughs> that would burn you if you <laughs> told, told the lie. What happened to it? Well, it's just not there anymore. Yeah, you know, donkey was involved and then the chain just went, no, not this anymore. No, everyone in the country was coming to see this chain coming from the afterlife. Like, <laughs> this chain that reveals all lies and will make sure you are truthful. No. No, just your common garden magic heaven yeah. chain. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's the one, that whole, you know, the Monty Python and the Holy Grail, where it's, we're off to find the Holy Grail and the French knight screams, we have one of them. Yes, like, yeah. What do you mean you have a Holy Grail? <laughs> we have one of them in the back? <laughs> yeah. We use it for lemonade? <laughs> Bring out, Bring out the holy hand grenade. Yeah. And on that note, ladies and gentlemen, this has been one of those stranger stories we have covered on this podcast. I think. Yes, it it has. We've had everything: donkeys, adultery, magic chains. Yeah, it's it's just very typical rural Ireland stuff. The magic chain in the sky that allows a woman to reveal she commits adultery with the donkey man. Yes, yes. And on that note, ladies and gentlemen, I have been Dermot. I have been Party, and you were very, very good listeners. <laughs>